Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text INTRO to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is Day 5. Today we'll be reading Part 1 on the Councils and Exercises, Chapter 16 through 19, pages 75 through 88 in the Ascension edition of the book. Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we are covering today. So a couple of episodes, we began this series of 10 meditations, and in this section, we'll pick up the final three meditations as we consider heaven, and then we pose ourselves with St. Francis de Sales between heaven and hell, and renounce hell, and choose heaven. So it's a kind of decisive point that permits us to kind of lay firmer grasp on our own conversion. Um, And he's also going to use it practically as a way to transition into the final main theme of part one, which is preparing a general confession. So he wants us to endeavor this task and to do so with a clean break. That is to say, a clean break uh, that we have to make with the life of sin. So that way we can begin anew or begin afresh with the life of grace. So let's say a prayer then, and we can start in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly. For the praise and glory of thy name, amen. Chapter 16, Eighth Meditation, On Heaven, Preparation. 1. Place yourself in God's presence. 2. Make the invocation. Considerations. 1. Imagine now that you see a beautiful and clear night. Think of how delightful it is to behold the sky all bejeweled with this host of so great a variety of stars. Then, add to this beauty that of a beautiful day, though imagine that the brightness of the sun in no way obscures the light of the stars and the moon. Then you may say without hesitation that all this together is nothing in comparison with the glory of that great paradise. Oh, how lovely it is! How greatly it is to be desired! Oh, how glorious is that city! 2. Consider the nobility, beauty, and multitude of the inhabitants of this blessed country. Millions of millions of angels, cherubim and seraphim, the company of apostles, prophets, martyrs, confessors, virgins, and holy women. What a countless multitude! Oh, how blessed is this host! The least among them is more beautiful to behold than all the world. What then will it be like to see them all? But, oh my God, how happy they are, continually singing the sweet canticle of eternal love, rejoicing continually with unchanging gladness, sharing with each other unspeakable joy, and living with the great solace of a blessed and indissoluble communion. 3. Finally, consider how happy they are in the enjoyment of God, who delights them continually with his loving gaze, thereby opening in their hearts a fountain of delights. What happiness they will experience, united everlastingly to their King, They are like joyful birds flying and singing perpetually in the lofty air of the Godhead, which embraces them on all sides with incredible pleasures. There, each vies with the other unweariedly in singing the Creator's praise. 
Blessed may you be forever, O sweet and sovereign Creator and Redeemer, who are so bountiful to us, and who so bountifully communicates your glory to us. End quote. And in reply, God blesses all his saints with a perpetual benediction. Quote, Blessed be you forever, he says, my beloved creatures, who have served me and shall praise me everlastingly with such great love and strength. End quote. Affections and Resolutions 1. Admire and praise this heavenly country. Oh, how beautiful are you, dear Jerusalem, and how blessed are your inhabitants. 2. Reproach your heart with the meager courage it has had heretofore by allowing itself to turn so far away from this glorious dwelling place. Oh, why have I strayed so far from my sovereign good? Ah, what a wretch I am, for the sake of these pleasures, which are in fact so unpleasing and so vain, I have thousands of times over forsaken eternal and infinite delights. How foolish I was to despise such precious blessings for such vain and contemptible desires. 3. Fervently aspire nonetheless to arrive at this blissful dwelling place, O my good and sovereign Lord, since it has pleased you to direct my steps along your ways, never more will I turn back. Let us go, O my dear soul, let us go to this eternal rest. Let us journey toward this blessed land which is promised us. Why do we allow ourselves to remain in this Egypt? 4. Therefore I will give up all such things that turn me away from this path or slow my journey. 5. So too I will do whatever will lead me to that blessed country. Give thanks, express offerings, and pray. Chapter 17. Ninth Meditation. How to Make Heaven Your Heart's Choice. Preparation. 1. Place yourself in God's presence. 2. Humble yourself before Him and pray that He might inspire you. Considerations. Imagine that you are on a level plane, alone with your guardian angel, like young Tobias on the way to Regis. All of a sudden, he shows you heaven opened on high, with all the pleasures represented in the meditation you have just undertaken. Then he shows you hell open beneath your feet, with all the torments described in your meditation on hell. With this before your imagination, kneeling before your guardian angel. 1. Consider that it is quite true that you are set between heaven and hell, and that both are open up before you, all depending upon the choice you will make. 2. Likewise, consider that your choice of either of these in this world will last for all eternity in the next. 3. And though both are open to receive you, depending upon your choice, yet God, who is ready to give you either hell through his justice or heaven in his mercy, desires nonetheless with an incomparable desire that you would choose heaven. And your good angel also beseeches you with all his strength, offering you a thousand aids on God's behalf and a thousand graces to help you to reach heaven. 4. Jesus Christ beholds you from heaven in his mercy and graciously invites you, saying, Come, O dear soul, to everlasting rest, and to the embrace of my goodness. I have prepared immortal delights for you in the abundance of my love. With your interior vision, see the mother of God, whom eternally calls out to you, quote, Take courage, my daughter. Despise not what my son desires, nor the many sighs I express for you, breathing forth with him your eternal salvation, end quote. Similarly, behold by faith the saints who exhort you and the millions of blessed souls who sweetly summon you, wishing nothing more than to see your heart united with theirs to praise God forever. They assure you that the way to heaven is not so hard as the world makes it out to be. Quote, Take courage, dear friend, they say. If you diligently consider the way of devotion by which we have ascended here, you shall see that we have come to these delights through ones that are incomparably sweeter than those of the world. End quote. Choice. 1. O hell, I detest you now and forevermore. I detest your torments and pains. I detest your wretched and accursed eternity. But above all, I detest the eternal blasphemies and curses that you vomit forth eternally against my God.
And, O beautiful paradise, turning my heart and soul to you, O eternal glory and everlasting felicity, I choose irrevocably and forever to have my dwelling and abode in your glorious and holy mansions, in your holy and enchanting tabernacles. I bless your mercy, O my God, and accept your offer of it to me. O Jesus, my Savior, I accept your eternal love and openly acknowledge that you have acquired for me a place in this heavenly Jerusalem, so that above all else I might love and bless you there forevermore. 2. Accept whatever favors the Mother of God and the saints present to you and promise that you will follow them in the way of holiness. Give your hand to your good angel so that he may guide you to heaven. Strengthen your soul so that it may make this choice. Chapter 18. 10th Meditation. How the soul chooses to live the devout life. Preparation. 1. Place yourself in God's presence. 2. Humble yourself before Him and beseech Him for assistance. Considerations. 1. Once more imagine yourself upon a level plain all alone with your guardian angel. On the left you see the devil seated upon a great throne attended by many infernal spirits and surrounded by a great host of worldly men. Bareheaded they acknowledge his lordship and bow in homage before him, some by one sin and others by another. Look upon the countenances of this retinue of wretched courtiers surrounding this abominable king. Behold, some of them are filled with hatred, envy, and rage. Others murder one another. Others are pale, calculating, and anxious, heaping up riches. Still others are devoted to vanity without any pleasure except what is unprofitable and vain. Others are foul, corrupted, and lost in their brutish lusts. What a restless, disordered, vulgar host. See how they despise one another, showing only a love that is false. Look upon all this, and you will see the wretched kingdom of this world, gathered around the throne of the tyrant that rules, this accursed king. Let it move you to feel compassion. 2. Now, on the other side, behold Jesus Christ crucified, who with the warmth of his love prays for these poor possessed men, so that they might be freed from this tyranny, calling out to them himself. Behold, all about him there is a great host of devout men and women along with their angels. Contemplate the beauty of this kingdom of devotion. Oh, how beautiful it is to see this troop of virgins, men and women, whiter than the lily, an assembly of widows full of holy mortification and humility. Look upon the ranks of married men and women, living together in love with mutual respect, which can only flow from great charity. Consider how these devout souls join their attention for the external needs of their households with the interior care of their souls, the love of the earthly spouse with their love for their heavenly bridegroom. Look around on every side and you will see them all with holy, sweet, and friendly countenances listening to our Lord and desiring that he establish himself in their hearts. They are full of joy, but their joy is gracious, charitable, and well-ordered. They love one another, but their love is utterly pure and holy. Those who are suffering afflictions are not overly concerned, nor do they lose courage. For behold how the countenance of the Savior consoles them, and how they make him the whole desire of their hearts. 3. Through the good affections that you have conceived, you already renounce Satan with all his sad and wretched followers. However, you have not yet brought yourself to the King, Jesus Christ, nor have you united yourself with his blessed and holy company of devout men and women. Rather, here you stand between the two domains. 4. The Mother of God, with St. Joseph, St. Louis, St. Monica, and a thousand others in the great host who live in the world, invite you and offer encouragement. 5. The crucified King calls you by name. Quote, come, my beloved bride, come, so that I may crown you. End quote. See Song of Solomon 4.8. Choice. 1. O worldly men and women, O abominable host, no, never shall you see me stand under your banner. I have renounced forever your follies and vanities. O king of pride, O king of misery, infernal spirit, I renounce you with all your vain pomps, I detest you with all your works. 2. 
Now turning myself to you, my dear Jesus, King of eternal happiness and glory, I embrace you with all the powers of my soul. I adore you with all my heart. I choose you now and forever as my King. I promise you inviolable fidelity, offer you irrevocable homage, and submit myself in obedience to your holy laws and ordinances. 3. O Mother of God, my Lady, I offer you to be my guide, and I will go forward under your banner. To you I offer unique respect and special reverence. O my guardian angel, present me to the sacred assembly and do not forsake me until I am numbered with the blessed host, with whom I say and will forevermore say in witness to my choice, may Jesus live, may he live. Chapter 19. How to Make a General Confession Now, my dear Philothea, you see the meditations that are needed for our purposes here. When you have undertaken them, then courageously push forward in the spirit of humility and make your general confession. And do not allow yourself to be troubled with any kind of hesitation. The scorpion has a venomous sting, but when this is distilled to oil, it becomes a powerful remedy against its own sting. So too, sin is shameful only when you commit it. However, when it is converted into confession and repentance, it becomes both honorable and salutary. Contrition and confession are so beautiful and fragrant that they drive out the ugliness of sin and disperse its bitterness. Simon the leper said that Mary Magdalene was a sinner, but our Savior said she was not so and spoke of nothing but the ointment she poured out and remarked on the greatness of her love. Luke 7.39 and following. Philothea, if we are truly humble, our sins will be infinitely displeasing to us because God is offended by them. However, the confession of our sins will be sweet and pleasant to us because God is thus honored. It is a relief to tell the physician all the details of the disease that torments us. When you are before your spiritual father, imagine yourself on Mount Calvary at the feet of Jesus Christ crucified, whose precious blood drops down from all his wounds to cleanse you of your iniquities. Indeed, though it is not the very blood of our Savior, nonetheless you here receive the merits of his blood shed for us, sprinkled abundantly on those who penitently confess their sins. Open then your heart without reservation and cast out your sins by confession, for insofar as they are driven out of your heart, the precious merits of his divine passion will enter therein, replenishing your heart with blessings. But declare all things, doing so with simplicity and innocence. Fully satisfy your conscience in this once and for all. Then, after so confessing, listen attentively to the servant of God and say in your heart, quote, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears, end quote, 1 Samuel 3, 9. Yes, my dear Philothea, God is the one you hear since he has said to his disciples, quote, He who hears you hears me, end quote, Luke 10, 16. Then take in hand the following profession by which you bring your contrition fully to its fruit, taking time to thoroughly meditate upon it. Read it attentively with the greatest possible repentance. So as we said, uh, when introducing the reading, here we're meditating upon heaven and on our choice for heaven and against hell. And I think it's fascinating, the, the stress that he lays upon choice. So in the tradition, according to St. Augustine, we define faith as thinking with assent, right? So it's not just a matter of thinking yourself into a state of faith. Ultimately, you have to choose that state of faith. And I think that this part really helps us to make that choice concrete or to kind of alert us to that choice with a, with a certain urgency or with a certain emphasis. So yeah, Father Jacob Bertrand, as we, as we turn then to these final considerations, these final meditations and prepare in the end of part one for a general confession, uh, where do your thoughts tend? I think, well, I think that I think I'm getting super like meta on my thought process. It's like, What's that movie? Um, uh, Inception? 
yeah, I was going to say deception, mm -hmm. but it's like inception. We're going, <laughs> to, gosh, great. Um, it, it's surpri It's not surprising to me, but my it was when I, like, I guess, first considered it. And if you haven't considered it before, it might be surprising to you that if you think about what it actually means to renounce hell and choose heaven or whatever kind of verbs you put there, but I think choice is something we can talk about for a minute. Um, those aren't things that happen to us. Those aren't passive verbs, but they're active verbs. You know, they're things that we do. And sometimes we might be tempted in the spiritual life or in the devout life to think that, um, to, to sort of uh, misunderstand our role, either that I have to do all these things before I can encounter God, which is, as we talked about in a previous episode, no, God moves first. He gives us the grace to come to him. Um, or that I'm just going to let you take kind of a pacifist kind of role that like, I'm just going to let things happen to me. Like God will make me holy and I'll be okay. And that's not quite really the full picture either, but you know, we have a choice in, in our life with Christ. We have a choice to choose him, to choose the things of heaven, to renounce hell, to renounce sin. Now, thing, it might be a little more complicated than that in reality, but it's nonetheless true. And we should remember that as, you know, one of the things that our Lord does, that his grace does, is it doesn't make us less human, but it makes us more human. You know, sin dehumanizes us. So as we live a life of grace and a life of virtue, we become more the men and women we're supposed to be. It's kind of like a cliche way to put it, but it's, it's nonetheless true. And part and parcel of that is our ability to choose to choose God and to do so freely, you know, ultimately we're moving towards this freedom. So it's it's interesting to me and I think helpful that that as we're beginning to think about, you know, these these first steps of our purification and purgation that St. Francis brings up this idea of choice. It's like, it's, it's in a way, do we choose to cooperate with what God is doing in our lives? And it's a big question and one that we'll probably have to make the choice over and over and over and over again, but such is the life of the disciple. Yes, so to perhaps help focus that for us or to underline that for us, St. Francis de Sales takes us through this journey, and it's not necessarily like he takes us through the entire creed, but he focuses on certain aspects of specific like our coming forth from God and then our passing from this life and returning to God. So you can feel the movement as we go forth from God and then ultimately return to God through the devout life and then the last things, those last mysteries through which we pass on the way. And he's not trying to oversimplify things. Um, he's not trying to make a caricature of the spiritual life, but he does want to show us that it's it's black and white, all right? That you will end in one of two places. And we need to be conscious of the ultimate tendency of our life's, whatever you would say, trajectory maybe. Um, so we have already been shot forth from the hour of God's creation, or we've been shot forth from the bow of God's creation. We ourselves are the arrow. And we tend back unto heaven in a kind of strange circular movement. Um, but we can deflect the course of that arrow in a variety of ways uh, because we choose to gravitate to this or that created good. And in the process, we end up displacing God, right? So we cease to gravitate towards God in the full and perfect way which we were originally tended to do so. So it's helpful in the course of these meditations just to place your life before the mirror of eternity and just to be honest about what's reflected back. Doesn't mean, oh, I'm so bad, I should be better. Here we go, time to have some Ben and Jerry's ice cream and then make a plan. Uh, no, it just means that in the course of this exchange, God is gonna reveal things to us. 
He's going to convict us of certain facts, uh, but he's also going to supply a grace so that way we can, you know, cut ties with what's bad um, and, and, and build new ties or build new bonds with the types of goods which will lead us to him. So it's exciting. It's a, it's a really exciting thing um, at this stage of our lives, but we have to be able to confront the, the black and whiteness of it if we're going to, uh, to make strides. So, I don't know, your, your thoughts on these beginning stages of the conversion. Obviously, some of our listeners are, are more than converted. You know, they're, they're well along in their conversion. But, you know, returning to this kind of pattern of thought or returning to these experiences is a way in which to help suss out the details of our own ongoing relationship with the Lord. One of the things, well, that our Lord tells us in the scriptures on, that, on this or that I'm reminded of is his lack of, what, desire for lukewarmness. You know, he doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to be on on fire for him. He gives us the grace for that. But there, it, there's sort of maybe it's a, my experience. Maybe you can relate to it, Father Gregory. Maybe others can. Maybe some can't. But there's a sort of um, is the word entropy? Is that a sort of like devolution of things? Right? Like there's you know think of this this kind of like setting. You go like on a, a retreat for a weekend and things are great, and then it's like yeah, I'm going to do all these things, and then you know slowly but surely you know, we don't, or like your Lenten penances or New Year's resolutions, you know, um, there's kind of an entropy. um, And we want to avoid that, you know, in this spiritual life, we want to avoid a sort of these highs that are inspiring, and then we're going to make all these uh, amendments to our life, and then like we just find ourselves a couple months or a couple weeks later not doing that because the Lord wants us not just for a period of time, but always. So this idea of being conscious of um, like where our life is tending is is a good thing to keep before us to take like take a sort of self evaluation because because our Lord wants us to 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 continue to call upon Him and to be close to Him. And that requires our kind of knowledge of these things. So, um, yeah, as Father Gregory said, it's it's exciting. It's a it's a it, not, it ought not be a kind of intimidating thing, though it can be at times. But it's an exciting thing because the Lord is working. He's at work in your life in this. And so at this stage too, it's I think it's super helpful to think about our perfection, to think about our growth in holiness in the terms that the Lord sets forth and that St. Francis de Sales kind of interprets for us. This whole, we've been using this language of tendency or trajectory or movement, right? So the goal for us is to be on the move towards the Lord. Maybe you've heard it said that in the spiritual life, there's no standing still. There's only going forward or going backwards. It's like a treadmill, right? So the general tendency of the world, the flesh, and the devil is to push you back such that you fall off that running board and then get rug burns as you're pressed between the treadmill and the wall of whatever room it is. Um, maybe not if it's a planet fitness, then you just end up on, never mind, Father Gregory focus. Here we go. Um, so, you know, we need to make strides in this uh, this general movement, this general tendency or trajectory. And here, what do, what do we want? Ultimately, we want to love Right? We want to love the Lord with our whole mind, soul, heart, and strength, and we want to love our neighbor as ourself. So ultimately, it's a matter of believing in that love, hoping in that love, and, and referring our life to that love. So each day as we, as we begin, uh, we make a kind of act of confidence that God, who has poured this love into our hearts, will make that love to grow, and he'll make that love to seek its term, right? to, to actually tend or to move in the direction that he intends it to do so. 
Um, so we need to be constant in our pursuit. That doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect yesterday or today, probably not even tomorrow, right? But we need to be constant in our pursuit. And so when St. Francis describes in very moving terms, the soul's, you know, kind of protestation of belief or announcement of belief, and then it's renunciation of world flesh devil and all that goes with it, it helps us to solemnize this choice, um, to make it more real for ourselves, to make it more of a, a living reality. So then as we kind of like look towards the conclusion of part one in our next episode, uh, we can think about this in terms of a general confession. We'll have more to say about that in the following episode, but um, to kind of round out the scoring, Father Jacob Bertrand, any final thoughts, any final encouragements on how we can uh, conceive of this, our devout life as we choose for God? I think we've kind of, in the last three episodes, we've cruised through these meditations. Um, Father Gregory mentioned when we first entered, when we were first getting to them, um, that they're, you know, great, we're going to work through them now, we're going to read along with St. Francis, but we're going to need to probably return to them at some point. So maybe dog ear them in the book that you're, that you're reading from, or whatever, if it's a digital uh, thing to just make note, because as we talk in the next episode about what a general confession is, it might be helpful to return to some of these meditations so as to help prepare um, or to continue to think about it. So again, I think I mentioned on the last episode, we're kind of building a toolkit here of the devout life of how to have how to pursue this. So um, as we turn the pages ahead, we shouldn't just leave them behind, but, you know, incorporate all into into what we're doing. So make note of it. All right, that's it for today. Please be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. To download the reading plan and support the production of this podcast, please visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics. And then if you'd like to hear some of our conversations on other subjects, follow up with us and three of our brother priests on the podcast Godsplaining. There you'll find weekly episodes on a variety of Catholic themes with the occasional guest, scriptural meditation, and even a special series or two. You can find Godsplaining with any podcast app on YouTube and at godsplaining.org. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics.